Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including William Yateman. He's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about what's happening on Capitol Hill. Our U.S. Congressman Byron Donalds will be with us as well. We'll be talking about uh, what he's experiencing on Capitol Hill as well. Dean Clancy is a senior policy fellow at the Americans for Prosperity. We'll be talking about health savings accounts and the American uh, Affordable Care Act. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design, will be visiting with Professor Bell as well. It is July the 15th, and on this day in 2006, a San Francisco-based podcasting company, Odeo, officially released Twitter, T-W-T-T-R, later changed to Twitter, its full spelling, its short messaging service for groups to, uh, to the public. Born as a side project from Odeo's main podcasting platform, the free application allowed users to share short status updates with groups of friends by sending one text message to a single number, 40404. Over the next few years, as Twitter became Twitter, the simple microblogging service would explode in popularity, becoming one of the world's leading social networking platforms. Twitter's co-founder Evan Williams uh, first made his name in Silicon Valley tech world by founding the Web de- uh, Dairy, excuse me, Diary Publishing Company, Blogger, which he sold to Google in 2003 for seven million bucks. In 2005, William co-founder Odeo was another entrepreneur, Noah Glass. That fall, however, Odeo's main service was made obsolete when Apple launched iTunes. After Williams asked the team of 14 employees to brainstorm their best ideas for the flailing startup, one of the company's engineers, Jack Dorsey, remember him? He's the guy that looked like a homeless person testifying to Congress. Anyhow, he came up with the concept of a service allowing users to share personal status updates via SMS to groups of people. By March 2006, they had a working prototype and a name Twitter inspired by uh, bird sounds and adopted after some choices. Uh, the very first tweet was Dorsey's. He said, uh, just setting up my Twitter on March the 21st. At the time, Twitter launched its public in, uh, in uh, July 2006. It was still a side project for Odeo, while the company's primary offering, the podcasting platform, went nowhere. That fall, according to reports in Business Insider, Williams bought out the company's investors, changed Odeo's name to Obvious Corporation, and fired Glass, whose role in the birth of the Twitter company, uh, including its name, would become public until uh, wouldn't become public until years later. Within six months after the launch, Twitter had become Twitter with an E. Once the service went public, its founders imposed a 140-character limit for its messages based on the maximum length of text messages at the time. It's later changed to 280 characters. 
Use of Twitter exploded by, uh, at the South by Southwest Convention in Austin, Texas, in March 2007, with more than 60,000 tweets that were sent per day and grew rapidly from there. By 2013, the New York Times reported that the company had more than 2,000 employees and more than 200 million active users. That November, when the company went public, it was valued at just over $31 billion. Can you imagine that in just seven years? Though Twitter's use, uh, user base is much smaller than that of Facebook, we don't know how big it is because of all the bots, that's another story, which has more than 2.9 billion monthly active users as of 2022, it's increasingly become a source of breaking news information, especially for younger users. The company's prominence rose with the election of President Donald Trump in 2016, who was outspoken on Twitter throughout his campaign and often tweeted policy decisions or other announcements during his administration. He, of course, was kicked off of Twitter, and uh, you know, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. While inflation at wholesale level climbs 11.3% in June compared with a year earlier, the latest painful reminder that inflation is running hot through the American economy, the Labor Department re reported Thursday that the U.S. Producer Price Index, or PPI, which measures inflation before it hits the consumers, rose at the fastest pace since hitting a record 11.6% in March. Last month's jump in wholesale inflation was led by energy prices, which soared 54% from a year earlier. But even excluding food and energy prices, which can swing wildly from month to month, producer prices in June jumped 8.2% from June 2021. On a month-to-month -month basis, wholesale inflation rode a substantial 1.1% from May to June. Thursday's PPI report came out a day after the Labor Department reported the surging prices for gas, food, and rent catapulted consumer inflation to a new four-decade peak in June, further pressuring households and likely sealing the case for another large interest rate hike by the Federal Reserve. Consumer prices, as measured by the Consumer Price Index, or CPI, soared 9.1% compared with a year earlier. Not good news for the economy. Well, two of America's, this is a disturbing story, but it's, I think, bring, bringing to light something that I think we've, well, at least I, for me, I'll say for me, I've uh, been suspicious about for a long time. Two of America's top health agencies are reportedly hemorrhaging staff as poor decision-making described by staff as by, bad science has led to low morale. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the National Institutes of Health are both suffering staff shortages. According to Dr. Marty Makari, a top public health expert at Johns Hopkins University, major decisions made at the agencies that hurt morale included support for masking in schools, school closures during the pandemic, and the authorization of COVID-19 vaccines for children four and under. Both agencies, along with the Food and Drug Administration, have been mired in controversy throughout the pandemic for inconsistent measure, mes messaging and for decision-making that didn't seem to line up with available science. They have no leadership right now. Suddenly, there's an enormous number of jobs opening at the highest level positions, as anonymous, uh, an anonymous NCH scientist told Common Sense. Schools became a battleground for the COVID-19 pandemic in America. So you can imagine these top uh, officials are accredited scientists and they're just not happy with the decisions that are being made that aren't lining up with the science. When the virus stormed the world in 2020, many officials immediately shut things down, schools, retail stores, 
entertainment venues, re- uh, restaurants, and out of fear of the unknown. Initial data showed children suffered limited risk when they contracted the virus, though, uh, though it was mainly the elderly and severely Im- immunocompromised that bore the virus burden. Despite the evidence, the CDC still st- uh, recommended schools stay closed until the end of the 2020 school year. And while individual school districts were allowed to make decisions for themselves, and many Republican-leading counties did quickly open, reopen schools, many major metropolitan areas under Democrat control kept schools closed for extended periods of time. I just think about it. The CDC recommends you keep the schools closed. A lot of people have a lot of respect for what the CDC says, though their name has become tarnished, and as this article proves, uh, we shouldn't be following the advice of the CDC without question. Earlier this year, McCary said the decision to keep schools closed was one of the worst made in the pandemic, specifically citing the minority uh, uh, communities who disproportionately lived in these areas were set the uh, furthest behind academically. CDC failed to balance the risks of COVID with other risks that come more from closing schools, an anonymous CDC scientist told Common Sense. Learning uh, loss, mental health exacerbations were obvious. Uh, early on, and those worsened as the guidance increased or insisted on uh, keeping schools virtual. CDC guidance worsened racially equity, uh, racial equity for generations to come. It failed this generation of children. When schools did reopen, many required uh, children to remain masked at all times outside of lunch periods following the guidance from the CDC. COVID czar Dr. Anthony Fauci repeatedly warned that lifting mask mandates for children was risky while simultaneously saying it was time to return back to normal. That was in February. On July the 13th, Fauci flip-flopped again, recommending that masks still be worn indoor uh, public gatherings while telling Americans they should be let the BA.5 COVID-19 variant disrupt our lives. Macari, however, warned masks may have harmed kids' social and emotional development as they couldn't properly read human emotions on the facial expressions of covered faces. The decision seemed to raise the most com- commotion when the authorization of COVID-19 jabs for children aged six months to five years old was approved. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky signed off on those vaccines in June after a panel of advisors to U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention voted 12 to nothing in favor of the COVID-19 vaccines for children as young as six months on June the 18th. We now know, based on the rigorous scientific review, that the vaccines available here in the United States can be used safely and effectively in children under five. Vaccinating children is a critical opportunity to protect them against hospitalization and death from COVID-19, she said. McCary uh, criticized the data submitted by Pfizer and Moderna to receive the green light, saying it was lacking. Pfizer's trial included 1,000 children, didn't show any efficacy during infection, he reports. Um, A more honest announcement would have been, we approve the vax for babies and toddlers based on very little data, while we believe it's safe in the population, the study sample size was too low to make a conclusion about safety. Note that the studies were done in kids without natural immunity. Macari said this was, uh, about the decision in June. The public has no idea how bad the data really is. It would not pass muster for any authorization, an FDA official said. Amid the many controversies the agent was facing at the time, the uh, CDC announced in April it would reevaluate its structure and processes in the hope of developing 
better processes to communicate with Americans. It's unclear what changes, if any, were going to result from this evaluation. So uh, CDC, you can't trust what they're saying. And uh, if it sounds like they're speaking out of both sides of the mouth, guess what? They are. And it's a darn shame that such decisions are being made by, for example, releasing people out of the service because they don't get the jab. It's really a shame. If uh, you have uh, somebody five years of age or younger in your family, I'd really think twice about getting the jab for that child. Uh, there's no no seemingly upside for it because the kids are not necessarily going to get sick or hospitalized, and there is uh, apparently a possible downside. Well, the federal government doled out more than $1 trillion in COVID aid to the uh, states over the last two and a half years. Most states with Republican governors used the funds to retire debt and cut taxes, but four states in particular didn't do that. Can you guess which one? Would you be surprised if it was California, New York, Illinois, and Connecticut? According to the Wall Street Journal, despite sitting on surpluses, these four states allowed fees to rise for businesses as they spent money on other programs. Where's all the extra money gone? California, Connecticut, Illinois, and New York have directed surplus funds to social programs and taxpayer rebates, among other causes, leaving unpaid debt to the federal government ranging from tens of millions of dollars to more than $15 billion. Can you believe that? Unconscionable. Here's a prediction. When we get into a deep into a recession, which four uh, states do you think are going to come uh, with a tin cup at hand asking for more money. It's going to be those four states. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new and refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with our U.S. Congressman Byron Donalds. Right now we have with us William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. William, tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O dot org. William, I want to just start off by a general question about uh, it seems to me that maybe the media and uh, his peers in the party are beginning to turn on President Joe Biden. Any thoughts? Well, I, I think that's a fair assessment. And, uh, I guess the background or the context is that he'll be almost 82 when he runs for re-election and that his current polling is abysmal. I mean, his, his approval rating is at 33 percent, which is below where Trump's was at this point in this presidency. Um, and yes, yeah, so this week there was a raft of reports about how Biden is either too old, too unpopular or both um, to seek re-election. And, and these weren't reports coming out of National Review. Um, these were in the New York Times, yeah. Um, and the the numbers they're they're pretty eye popping. Um, so then again, this is according to the New York Times. Sixty four percent of Democrats um, don't want him to run again in 2024, and 94 percent of Democrats under the age of 30 don't want him to run again. So uh, that is uh, that's not good for Mr. President. No, it's not. And uh, good old Pocahontas is beginning to see the smoke signal. She's getting her totem pole out <laughs> and her wampum and uh, face paint. And I think she's getting ready to get on the campaign trail. What do you think? Well, I'll say this. I mean, I guess she's already tried once, and she just didn't strike me as terribly popular. No. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they, they all have endless ambition, and I'm, I'm sure many are champing at the bit um, to throw their hat in the ring. But... Um, I don't know. It, it, the, kind of the, the, it seems as though a lot of uh, that party's policies got us to this point to begin with. So I'm not sure as to whether or not Americans aren't sort of ready for uh, 
um, a, a reset, if you will. You know, I think it's kind of interesting. I don't think these policies are a, a mistake. I think they're all on purpose. I think uh, what makes President Biden angry is the fact that he can't sell these policies to us. I mean, you, hey, come on, guys, you got to like this inflation. You got to like Green and New <laughs> New Deal, and we don't. <laughs> well, indeed, try as they might to spin everything, and I, and I think you know there's a kernel of truth in what you were just describing. I mean, they really do. You, you were, if it's night, you're told it's day. Um, that is, if it's politically favorable to the president, um, right. you know, just consistently. So I don't disagree at all with sort of their, their head stuck in the sand approach to things. But uh, and I, I agree 100 percent um, with how the, the ends, the results are, are certainly proving to be unpopular. Yeah. So is it my imagination or are they trying to make another run at a build back better bill for a more stimulus? They had been. So as we discussed in the prior two Fridays, there were these ongoing negotiations between Manchin and uh, uh, Senate Majority Leader Schumer to revive this Build Back Better, or at least parts of it. Um, But breaking news, as of this morning, Hmm. Manchin pulled the plug on all that. And so I guess the word is that he was rattled by the inflation numbers. Although one must never forget that he comes from a state that Trump won by 40 points. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's not a, a progressive. West Virginia is not a, a bastion of progressivism by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but whatever the cause, um, he said the, the climate provision, the, the, the tax increases and the climate spending, which was the sine qua non of these ongoing negotiations, that he's a, 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 an emphatic categorical no on those going forward. And, uh, you know, that effectively torpedoes the effort. So um, perhaps they'll try to scrape together even uh, the smaller components of the Build Back Better agenda, uh, you know, maybe some of this healthcare stuff. Um, but uh, any large designs are effectively dead. You know, it may be that Joe Manchin might be the most powerful man in Washington, D.C., who is it's it's a testament to the beauty of our constitutional system yep. that uh, I'll say this after the Georgia Senate races went the way they went I was thinking uh, I was frankly fearful for the future um, and it hadn't dawned on me yet that due to the beauty of our system that the fulcrum point then shifts to a Democrat senator from a state that Trump won by forty points which is precisely the sort of mix of, of interest that I want. I mean, you know, I, I don't want necessarily true blue one side or the other. Um, so, yes, it, it is uh, Manchin's, uh, I guess, I, I'm thankful that it, it's a politician who represents that rare context who is in that position. Right, absolutely. Before I let you go, to any comments at all on the January 6th committee? <laughs> this sort of the same drum I've been beating on this, which is, they're sure there's some good facts coming out, but it's, it's corrupted by the fact that the Democrats have made this their their primary position or their primary plank on their, their midterm re-election campaigns. So it's sort of poisoned by the politics. I will say this week's hearing in which they alleged that a Trump tweet saying tomorrow's protest will be wild, quote unquote, was supposedly a... Uh, uh, a dog whistle for violence of all sorts. Yeah, I don't think anyone believes that. I mean, that's just the way Trump talks. Um, and that's not to defend what he did that day. Um, I don't think he acted presidential. I think I've said that a number of times. But it just seems, you know, come on, an entire hearing about it, uh, kind of reading into a tweet, uh, uh, contrary to the way that everyone knows that Trump talks. So that struck me as odd. Absolutely. 
I, you know, I would love to see him ask the question, who's Ray Epson? What, what was his role in this entire thing? <laughs> so interesting. William Yeatman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. I hope you check it out. William, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with our United States Congressman, Byron Donalds. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, and you can find out more by visiting the website, vfga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bellet from the University of Houston. Right now, we, we have with us our United States Congressman, Byron Donalds. Byron, or I should say, Congressman, how are you doing? Hey, good morning, Bob. It's great to be with you. Thank you, Byron. So, uh, Byron and I are friends for a long time, so I realize I probably should say Congressman. (laughs) I apologize, Byron. So, uh, I'd like to just start off by your thoughts and comments about about the January 6th committee. Uh, I think it's a sham, actually. I think the January 6th committee is one of the great political circuses um, not seen since, you know, McCarthyism to control of Capitol Hill. Yeah. Now look, at the end of the day, Nancy Pelosi did not want Republicans on this committee that were going to challenge her narrative and challenge what the Democrats wanted to do 
which is really create kind of like a pseudo third impeachment trial of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And and this time, you know, they wanted to bring Hollywood producers in. They wanted it to be in prime time. Um, they've really cherry picked who they even want to testify. And then they splice together all the thousands of hours of interviews they've done. And, and the biggest thing of it all, Bob, is, listen, if you're if you basically leave prosecutors alone with the jury, what you get is the January 6th committee. Well, they will try to paint a narrative where you do not have a judge that demands impartiality and you do not have defense counsel that can actually cross examine and question the evidence is being laid out or question the information that's being laid out. Yeah. Um, I really think it's atrocious because at the, if you really want to examine January 6th, you could have done that through the committee process. I know this because the oversight committee, which I sit on, we had two hearings on January 6th and we pretty much assessed pretty quickly um, that, you know, the apparatuses to protect the Capitol, there were failures there. Yeah. And the one thing I wish the January 6th committee would actually acknowledge and engage in is the fact that uh, Chris Ray, who's, FBI director, he testified under oath last year that there were just reports that were transmitted to the Capitol Police, but to this day, we have no idea what Capitol Police did with them. We have no idea what the recommendations of Capitol Police were to the Speaker of the House, the person who's actually in charge of security of the Capitol. And the biggest misconception is people assume Donald Trump's in charge of Capitol security. That is not true. The president is not in charge of capital security. The Speaker of the House is in charge of capital security. Um, And we have no idea what she knew, when did she know it, and what were her orders. You know, I I wonder if uh, perhaps the entire uh, objective of this whole thing is to somehow have the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, uh, make charges against President Donald Trump so it could prohibit or inhibit his ability to run. Well, that's exactly what's happening. Listen, they're staffed with former federal prosecutors. Nancy Pelosi is basically just giving them an unlimited budget to do what they want. Mm. And so one of the big concerns that we are somewhat seeing is that the January 6th committee is compiling all this stuff. And then somehow the Department of Justice is getting it. And then the Department of Justice is making is doing criminal reviews of this. Um, that's not how this is supposed to work at all. Yeah. Uh, Congress is a political body. Congress can make legislative reforms, but it can't just go around doing criminal investigations for the Department of Justice. And I'll say again, what they're doing is 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 really terrible for a country like ours because you have a you have a branch of government creating a political show while at the same time trying to foment criminal charges uh, from the Department of Justice. Yeah. Really a shame, Byron. We'd like to uh, move to the whole issue of inflation right now. Very, uh, the uh, uh, PPI numbers came out and they're even worse than expected right now. Any thoughts? Well, I mean, the tough part is, is that this was our concern when Joe Biden took over. Uh-huh. Um, we remember very clearly when he was talking about his American rescue plan, uh, that there was no reason to even spend that kind of money. There was no reason to extend 
that amount of unemployment assistance and child child tax credits because what Joe Biden did is create an artificial labor shortage in the United States. Yeah. When people have money, they have an ability to choose whether to go to work or not. People will not go to work, not everybody, but enough. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is you did not have enough productivity in the economy to meet the demands of the economy once COVID was over, quote unquote, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we are right now. And it's it's terrible. And the worst part about this inflation, CPI number is 9.1. But listen, if you're a working family, if you're a senior on fixed income, you spend virtually all your money on energy and food. And for you, the the inflation rates are double are double digits going into the 20 going to the 20%, even 30%, yeah. depending on what people are buying. It's it is so corrosive. And the last part I'll say is Joe Biden has no plan. And the worst part is the media doesn't hold him to account for what a plan is. Could you imagine what the media would say about Donald Trump if oh. inflation was at 9.1%? I certainly can. They would be vilifying him every day. They're not doing that. And I think one of the worst things that we're seeing is that with energy, the administration has not reversed course on their energy policies. They have no desire to reverse course because the 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 people that are around this president, this president included, they want high gas prices. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to understand this. That's exactly what they want. They want to get off fossil fuels in the most ridiculous way, and they want to adhere to this Green New Deal uh, idiocy that in some respects we're starting to learn that the Russians and the Chinese have been funding. Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense. Well, you just take a look at Sri Lanka, what's happening in the Netherlands, what's going on in Germany. (laughs) The results, we've seen people press on this issue and uh, implement it, and the results have been just totally disastrous from an economic standpoint. It, it totally is. And so, and look, people need to understand there is a breaking point for all societies. Mm-hmm. And one of the key breaking points is, can I eat? Can I actually cool my home or can I heat my home? This is real basic, simple stuff. But if people can't get food, your governments, your governments and your societies break down. It happens every time. And so that's why we can't just be so quick to just play around with the elements of an economy thinking that somehow we know better yeah it is better to actually create clear guidelines for how economies can develop and then get out of the way and let them operate and the thing that actually happens when you do that is actually they are far more efficient than bureaucrats on capitol hill will want them to be you know, uh, November 2022 can't come soon enough, quite frankly. And I think January, when we have a majority in the House of Representatives, and I hope in the Senate, hopefully we can get. Are you already starting to plan? And are is the are the Republicans beginning to plan on what kinds of uh, inquiries we're going to start making in terms of the uh, subcommittees into what's oh, happening? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I know in oversight, we're just going to be investigating everything from the border to the economy um, to uh, actually the January 6th committee. I think the Republican members have had enough. Uh, we've already asked them to preserve all their documents and all their communications um, because look, they, they leak, they leak to the press. It's, it's insane what that committee has been allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Hunter Biden, all this stuff. We're, we're, we're going to get into everything and really hold this administration accountable. 
Um, we're going to have to hold, hold the Treasury Department accountable. Um, there's a lot of investigations that need to happen uh, that are important to this country. And look, at the end of the day, understand this. Joe Biden's approval numbers are what? 30, 33%, 34% yes. right now. He's had he's had better than fair TV uh, news coverage. Like CNN is just starting to be, you know, to be somewhat straight on Joe Biden and really not totally straight on him. Mm-hmm. Imagine if he had just straight news coverage. His approval numbers would be 20%. He's a, he's bad at this. He's a very bad president. The worst I've ever seen. Yeah. Without a doubt probably the worst in American history. I mean, he's on a serious glide path to being the worst president we've ever had. Well, it's, uh, selling 950 million uh, barrels of oil to one of Hunter Biden's clients in China, to me, I mean, it's, that is impeachable. I think that's treason, quite frankly. So there are so many fronts on which we can attack and uh, look at this administration. I think it's so corrupt, so corrupt, Byron. And we didn't even talk about the border. <laughs> Bob, we're talking about so many things that we didn't even get to the border. I mean, that's it, it, it's just so much that has gone wrong for America yeah. in the last 18 months. Well, I just genuinely appreciate I wish we had time to talk about it, Byron. I really appreciate you coming on the show. We'd like to have you back soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dean Clancy. He's a senior policy fellow at the Americans for Prosperity. Great organization. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence, serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Dean Clancy. He's a senior policy fellow at Americans for Prosperity. Dean, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, uh, Dean. Uh, for our listeners that may not be familiar with Americans for Prosperity, could you tell us about it? Sure. We're a national grassroots advocacy organization. We have thousands of volunteers across the country. We're working for individual liberty, uh, free enterprise, and smaller constitutionally limited government. We want to remove government barriers so you can live your version of the American dream. Americans for Prosperity is a terrific organization. So, Dean, uh, you wrote a piece about the Affordable Care Act and uh, health savings accounts. Maybe you could tell us about it. Well, sure. Uh, one of the things that we at AFP are trying to do is make health care work for Americans. It doesn't work for them right now. Health care costs too much. Uh, you can't see the price of anything before you buy it. There's too much paperwork and confusion. The insurance companies and the hospital corporations dominate healthcare, and patients are left behind. We want to change all that. We we have a campaign we call the Personal Option. It's it's removing government barriers so healthcare works for you. And a new idea that we've just uh, uh, published with our uh, uh, allies at the Paragon Health Institute. That's a health uh, care think tank in Washington, uh, very free market oriented. We've got a new idea in healthcare. It's called the HSA option. And what it means is that we would help uh, millions of low income Americans get their first health savings account. That's a tax free account, sort of like an IRA or a 401k, but it's for healthcare. Mm -hmm. And that money is not taxed and you can use it for health care. The result is your health care dollar goes a lot farther. You, it's like getting a 10 to 40% discount on every medical purchase you make using your HSA. These accounts exist now, and about 30 million Americans have them, but most of us have no access because of government red tape, and lower-income Americans can't use HSAs easily because they don't have the income. So we thought, wait a minute. Why not take some of that money that we are spending on Obamacare now, and instead of giving it to insurance companies, which is how Obamacare works, let's just give it directly to patients and put it in their tax-free health savings account and let them decide how they want to spend that money uh, for health care. So it would give patients more choice and control, and it would lead ultimately to lower prices and better quality because uh, patients would be acting like consumers instead of as it is today, where they're basically just uh, second-class citizens. And in addition to that, if I'm not mistaken, it also creates a greater choice. Uh, I, I think uh, health savings accounts money can be used, for example, eyeglasses for dental care, for a variety of things that aren't covered by health insurance. That's right. HSAs are much more flexible. Uh, you can use them for, as you said, dental, hearing, vision, benefits not covered by your health insurance plan. Also, and this is increasingly important because of what Obamacare is doing to our access to doctors and hospitals, you can use your HSA money to see the provider of your choice who may not be in your health insurance plan. Obamacare is causing 
uh, provider networks to shrink. So it's getting harder and harder to access the providers you want. HSAs help you get around that. And we're excited about this idea. As I said, we call it the HSA option. It would help uh, millions of low-income Americans access health care as true consumers. Well, I'd, we'd love to help you promote it. It sounds like a great idea. Uh, what needs to happen in order to make this available for, uh, I mean, is it a matter of simply promoting it? It's already available? Or I guess the government would have to, the uh, Congress would have to pass legislation to make the money available to consumers. That's right. And by the way, uh, and I'll explain that in a second. It occurs to me, I should have mentioned, this will not add a dime to the deficit because we would just be using money that is already being spent through Obamacare. We would be using it more efficiently and in a way that empowers consumers rather than insurance companies. But you're right. Congress would have to actually pass a a law to do this. We've uh, proposed the idea and given the specifics of how to write such a law uh, through the Paragon Health Institute. The paper is called the HSA option, and you could look at that there. We're talking to folks on the Hill now. Uh, we think we've lined up a U.S. senator to actually introduce it as a bill, and um, and we're hopeful that we can get it enacted uh, so that uh, this new option would become available uh, to folks uh, who get their health insurance through Obamacare. Yeah, it sounds like a great uh, great idea, and I'm totally supportive. Uh, we haven't mentioned too much about ACA. It was supposed to save us $2,500 in premiums, and uh, it was supposed to cover a lot of people. If I'm not mistaken, only about 5 or 10 million people are covered by the Affordable Care Act at this point. It's been pretty much of a dismal failure, hasn't it? Yes, Obamacare was a mistake. The results are in. And those of us who predicted that uh, it would lead to higher costs and wouldn't make any fundamental improvements in American health care, we've been proved right. Obamacare has, uh, as you said, not really changed the number of Americans with good health insurance. It has put a lot of people on the government uh, Medicaid program, Hmm. which is a broken health insurance program. And it has driven up the cost of health insurance and health care Um, So you're right. Premiums for health insurance are much higher now. They said they'd be down by $2,500. It's way, way up. Uh, And also the amount you have to pay out of pocket has gone way up. And as I mentioned earlier, your access to doctors and hospitals is shrinking in Obamacare. And it's all because of the federal mandates and poorly designed subsidies. All of that uh, was a mistake. And um, we're hopeful that by giving Americans a personal option, we can you know, begin to remove those mandates and basically let uh, competition and markets come back into health care uh, because it's really getting excessive, the, the, the cost increases. And by the way, Congress is now just about uh, poised in the next few weeks to double down on Obamacare. They want to increase those subsidies and uh, spend hundreds of billions of dollars hmm. to be to expand Obamacare subsidies. They also want to take hundreds of billions of dollars out of Medicare through the prescription drug benefit, and that's how they'll pay for those Obamacare um, spending hikes. It's a terrible idea. More government health care isn't what we want. No. We want to stop that Stop that bill, uh, which they call the Build Back Better Act. Of course. <laughs> and, and we want to uh, go in a different direction, you know, yeah. uh, help uh, – remove those government barriers. 
uh, a great start would be just getting rid of Obamacare, quite frankly, and, and create the catastrophic insurance programs that allow for health savings accounts and allow people to be consumers as opposed to uh, uh, shoving something down our throat, uh, which is what Obamacare is, quite frankly, in my opinion. Absolutely. Dean, I really appreciate your commentary. Again, the Americans for Prosperity is the, uh, web, the is it APR.org, as I recall, the website? Uh, no, our, uh, no, that, that's a good guess. But uh, the Americans for Prosperity website is, um, it's Americans for Prosperity at, uh, excuse me, dot O-R-G. And by the way, if listeners want to learn more about our personal option approach to healthcare, uh, we have a separate website called personaloption.com personaloption.com Dean, a great idea. I really appreciate you coming on the show and explaining it. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you, Dean. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, that and more, right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a performing arts center in downtown Naples. So much to find out about. You can go to the website and get tickets, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also an author. He's written several books. His latest Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It's now available at Amazon.com, or at least a pre-order. 
and uh, writes his column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Professor. So your latest column at uh, On Point, Dems Dumping Joe Have Nowhere to Go. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, it's a subject I'm seeing a lot of more people now thinking about and writing about. It's, it's a natural because, uh, you know, the the poll numbers are pretty pretty dreadful for 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 Biden and uh, and understandably so. Uh, but most alarmingly for him, it's it's all, they're also very low in his in his own party, and uh, it's kind of hard to confuse to to ignore his mental state and his slip-ups, but, but beyond that, it's also hard to reconcile the, you know, the inflation and, the, you know, it started with the Afghanistan debacle, and, and if you can say it went downhill from there, it's hard to imagine where the, where the hill goes, but, yeah. but, uh, but domestically, it's been a, a horror show, and, you know, we're not seeing anything that gives anyone any encouragement, and then we see the you know the the growing role of central government and in the profligate spending and the and of course the energy policies that have driven everything to the point that we see now are Biden going to Saudi Arabia this weekend and trying to plead for oil and basically killed our own uh, in, you know oil industry through regulations and Keystone Pipeline shutdown and. All these, all these crazy, crazy, crazy things have been going on, and they resonated with a public that hasn't been paying attention. At least a lot of them have. A lot of the public haven't been paying attention, and and when it's the pocketbook, and you know, I filled up my my wife's car yesterday. It was a hundred and hundred and five dollars, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, and then and these sort of things that that you know make it make it very, very real and. And you know, nine over nine percent inflation, and that's and that's probably not accurate. It's probably a lot higher than that. So even within the Democrats, there's there. One hand, I think they're they're stuck because they can't admit that these are policy disasters because then they'd have to take some credit. So instead of saying, "Well, Joe's getting old," you know, and gee, maybe maybe he's not quite up to it, and God bless old Joe and so on. Well, Joe's not. Hasn't been running the show, you know, from the time they catapulted him out of his basement bunker to become the next FDR. I mean, Joe's never run the show. No, and 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 so it's a head scratcher. You know, the people around the show are the people that write his teleprompter scripts and and, and steer him to whatever chair he's supposed to sit in, and and whatever Easter money is going to you know kind of deflect the crowd, and 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 so it's become. But 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 they don't want to. They don't want to be unkind, you know. So they say, "Well, Joe, see, I'm not really sure it's just up to the job." I mean, you got something like three quarters of the Democrats now that don't want him to run again, right? And and and, but the problem is, it's a sinking ship with no lifeboats. They have, they have, you know, they have no place to go. They, I mean, they, their horror show is they got they got Kamala standing in line, and she's she's not going to go peacefully. And and then you you know you, and then you probably don't have Pelosi after the midterms. So you can't, you know. So the Speaker of the House is a probably a Republican, and and they're in a world of hurt, and then everyone's scratching their heads. And not only what what is the country going to do? Yeah, 
But it's kind of a freak show to see what the Democrats are going to do. It's so true. It's a real conundrum. And I, I would say this is a little bit off topic, but to me, uh, the whole notion that we have shut down our oil and our, our drilling and all the things that we've done and all the policies and that we put in place uh, to inhibit uh, the development of uh, carbon-based fuel seems to me it's not only contributing to our inflation, but I think it's contributing to worldwide inflation. Well, it is. You know, it is because the if you want to if you want to really see where the insanity bug came from, it came from Germany and Europe. You know, you, Germany built all these wind turbines and so on, and got themselves hooked up Merkel and you know. Uh, you know, they closed down their 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 energy, their fossil energy. They shut down their nuclear energy. They somehow thought it was going to be windmills and sunbeams that were going to, you know, going to bail them out. Well, you don't run heavy industry on sunbeams. No. You know, and 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 then on top of that, they not only got they not only got themselves in a bind with uh, a huge dependence on Russian oil in Nord Stream One, and then and you know, it was been delivering oil, and now they're I guess that's kind of shut down for me. Russia's kind of scared to death. But then you got you've got pushing these electric vehicles nonsense and and so on. That you know China China controls sells ninety percent of, of the of the solar panels and you know, the you know the you know the uh, materials for the for the solar panels. They they control eighty percent of the rare earth materials. We just gave them Afghanistan, which is deep, which is rich in in in, uh, in in the rare earth, you know, minerals that we need for the batteries. Right. So we've got we've got Russia, we've got who is a big supplier to China, and then we go ahead and sell uh, you know, about a million barrels of oil from our emergency strategic oil reserve to 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 China. Just happens to be to a company that was heavily invested that Hunter Biden I know. firm was heavily invested in. So. It, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely lunacy. So, by the way, that is, in my opinion, that is treason on the part of the president of the United States. It's just unconscionable how that could possibly happen. And I'm only guessing it happened because he's uh, completing a contract or some sort of commitment that Hunter Biden made to the Communist Chinese Party. Well, as you understand, though, you know, we say Biden, and, and and yeah, I think Biden's a crook. I think it's a you know the crime family. It has been. It's an open secret. We know we know now for sure that he he, he knew everything about his, his son's business. And sure, that's when he was in a in a telephone message. So, so yeah, that's true. But understand, Biden didn't. The Department of Energy let that happen. The Department of Energy, there were 126 bids. What, first of all, why are we selling oil to any foreign countries? Right at a time when it was supposed to be depleted, as the, the reserve was supposed to only be depleted to help American gas tanks and so on. But, but on top of that too, nobody vetted this. They, they gave the department of energy gave out 12, 12 foreign grants out of 126 applications. It's one in 10 were, were funded and they, they don't do due diligence to see that it's, it's one that happens to be connected to the president's son. Huh. I mean, that's, that's inexplicable. It's not just Biden. You see how this, how this corruption has been has has been broadly covered by the FBI, by the Treasury Department. Biden, you know, Hunter Biden got 150 suspicious activity reports from the Treasury Department that they won't release to Congress. Yeah, you know, it's 
it's, it's, uh, we have a, a federal government cabal right now that, that, uh, you know, that I think is going to be un, un, you know, unwound when the Republicans take the midterms in, in the Senate investigatory committees and yeah. House committees. From your lips to God's ear, uh, Professor Larry Bell, and I encourage you to visit uh, Newsmax.com and take a look at Professor Professor uh, Bell's columns. Uh, he writes about two or three a week. Dems dumping Joe have nowhere to go. Also, the book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. Professor Bell, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, We have great guests for Monday's show. We're going to be visiting with uh, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Also visiting with uh, Larry uh, Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We have more guests as well. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>